SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. All right, I'm pleased to welcome uh, one of my main men. I know people feel like I got a lot of main men, but I do have a lot of friends in this business. And a lot of people I like to talk football with. And, uh, this is one of my guys. Been on this podcast a few times. Very happy that he decided to reciprocate the favor and come on mine so we can dissect his hometown team here. Brandy Kylie from 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm good, Therese. It's good to be on the other end of this thing. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. I'm great. And uh, it's the midway point of the season, and the Chiefs are 6-3. and three. And I wanted to talk to you because, A, we normally have a really good, like, fun conversations about football. And number two, you know, as a hometown guy, I know you still watch your Chiefs even though you work in St. Louis. I kind of i am interested to know if you share kind of this feeling of inevitable loss that a lot of fans keep tweeting at me. <laughs> so let's start there. I know you watch this team as a fan. I know a lot of fans here have a feeling of inevitable loss. <laughs> that the loss in January is coming. I wonder, like, do you feel the same way despite this team being 6-3? and three? So it, it kind of depends on matchups. And I know you, you've talked about this a lot with your A team. And I think it's true. Like, this team very clearly has a... And offensively, to me, it seems like it could be the running game in the postseason. I know a lot of people will point to Alex. Like, Alex has had a great year. So, really, it comes down to the defense and the running game. And it's been the issue that we've seen with this team, Therese, for a while. And I know in the past we've been able to say, oh, it's just the scheme and the playoffs, they'll be able to fix it. It's the scheme. They're going with this nickel. They're putting in a safety down. Well, it's not a scheme anymore. Now it's like a real problem. Like, it, it seems like they just, they might not have the personnel to get this thing fixed. And if that's the case... I mean, you get into January and you're playing against the Steelers or you're playing against the Jaguars or you're playing against the Titans. I want no part of seeing those physical running games. <laughs> like, hey, are, are you telling me that I'm going to see Derrick Henry 100% yes. fresh because yes. he's getting 10 carries per game in the regular season? Yes. I don't want that. Are you telling me that Leonard Fournette's going to come into Arrowhead in January and they're going to have Jalen Ramsey locking down uh, Kill and they're yes. going to have A.J. Boye doing what A.J. Boye he does against tight ends, and he's going to be lined up one-on-one against Travis yeah. Kelsey. And, oh, no, I don't want to see that. Well, too bad. Too bad. You're going to see it. That's coming. <laughs> you got to be ready. It's coming. I'm sorry. That's coming. I'm not ready because I don't think the team's ready. Million percent. Leonard Fournette or Derrick Henry, some some 240-pound back is coming in here in January. It's going to be 16 degrees, and he's getting the ball 34 times. Million percent this is happening. The question is, are they going to keep him to 140, or are they, is he going to run for 190? That's the question. And the thing i got to try to figure out is, like, what kind of gains can be made to keep it from being 190? One thing I've seen that I kind of like, I kind of like Kevin Pierre-Lewis as a run defender. I think he needs to play more, especially in the nickel. They might have found something with him and DJ in that nickel. They might have found something there. 
No more Sorensen in the box. Teams are going to run it at you. I think if that's where they go and Pierre Lewis continues to develop, that could be another, like, smart move by Brett Veach. Um, and it would really help if Reggie Ragland started kind of living up to his potential too. That's kind of what you've got to bank on as a Chiefs fan, in my opinion. You have, you have any other ideas? Just to kind of respond to that really quick, Therese, I mean – they, a lot of people have talked about how the running game was a problem against Dallas, and it was to an extent. Exactly. Really, it was Dak Prescott who kind of got them on the third down. Mm-hmm. They held Ezekiel Elliott to three and a half yards per carry. Right. If you're doing that, like, that'll work. You'll I'm take that. Three and a half yards per carry against one of these great running backs we're talking about. You take that all day, and some of that was, and Tony Romo mentioned this a number of times on the broadcast, and I'm sure you've seen it in your film review, they stopped putting the safety in the box, and they just said, okay, we're going to put a true linebacker in here. Yep. We're going to quit stubbing this guy in, and now all of a sudden you've got seven box guys in the box when you're going on a standard down, and that's what they've got to do against these teams. Yeah, and it, the problem is, you know, you have to be smart about it too because now teams are just going to throw on you now. You know, right. that, that's the problem. That's why I think if you have to go dime, if you have to go nickel, that's why I think like a nice midpoint is just saying, okay, you're not going to be able to run with the safety at linebacker anymore. Like you're going to have to run on our front four and Pierre Lewis and Johnson. I think that's that's probably more of a middle ground, and that's a package that they have to improve in and use because it's going to be important. It's going to be critical in in, in January. Um, And that brings us to the other thing that I think could be a problem – the Chiefs actually rank like tenth and like they they've they've actually turned people over more than you think interception wise. But it just doesn't feel like they make like a lot of plays on the ball. Believe like despite the amount of interceptions they have, which like ranks tenth in the NFL, it doesn't feel like they make enough plays on the ball. How many times per game do we see these guys like miss an interception opportunity? And I know that's football, like I get it, but I just feel like they've been more um, opportunistic in the past. I was wondering if you've seen that too. Yeah, you do, and I mean, one of the guys that was actually kind of creating some of those opportunities was Terrence Mitchell, and he's disappeared. Like, he's not playing anymore. I I don't understand that, but he was kind of the guy opposite Marcus Peters who I felt like he's going to get beat, and he's going to give up some yards, no question, that that happens, but that's going to happen to anybody who's opposite Marcus Peters, and he was at least making plays. He was kind of making plays on the ball, and now, I mean, I I don't have any trust in the other guys that they're putting out that are at that number two position. I, I like Steven Nelson. I think he's doing a decent job in the in the nickel. But I mean, what, what happened to Acker, Therese? Uh, oh, excuse me. What happened? What happened to uh, not Acker, uh, Mitchell? Here's what I think happened, and I've done my little digging. I've uh, let, let me tell you one thing about Kenneth Acker, and you can read into this how you like. B. They know that. They know Kenneth Acker is going to execute his assignment. He might get beat physically. They might catch jump balls over him. He might get out physical. But what they like about Kenneth Acker is that there won't be a mental mistake. That's what I've been told. How about that? So this is the coach thing. This is the uh, – I'm a Mizzou fan, Therese, and so Mizzou fans that are listening to this podcast will understand what I'm saying. Uh, Kim Anderson once told me the reason they had Cullen Van Leer playing 34 minutes a game because <laughs> Van Leer can play every, all four positions and he knows where to be at on the court. And look, Cullen Van Leer has a role on a college basketball team. His role is not 34 minutes a game. It's one of those kinds of things, isn't it? Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So you you can read into that as, you know, Terrence has to sharpen up on the mental side of the game, not make mental mistakes. I also think, though, like he's really competitive, and I do think like he makes some plays sometimes. Like he never should have surrendered the Amari Cooper touchdown. That was offensive pass interference. He shoved him down. I've never seen anything like that. That was a bogus call. Uh, he brings a swagger to the defense, Terrence. Like there, there is something to this. Like I, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a guy oh, who yeah. likes – you're a million percent a swagger you guy. You need that out there, man, especially when Eric Berry is not out there for this defense. I remember last year, in the, I think it was last year, the Denver game, one of the observations you made that I thought was astute, he brought the physical punishment, I'm talking about Eric Berry, in that game right away, and the defense fed off of that, and that was one of the ways that they were able to kind of overcome that hump of beating Denver. Now, Terrence Mitchell isn't the same guy, but he brings that same kind of mentality and the swagger to the defense, and they need that now as much as ever. I, I agree, and I, I don't think we've seen the last from Terrence Mitchell. I, I really don't. I don't think we've seen the last of him, and I might be wrong about that, because I think, like, by and large, like, Terrence can help them because he is a competitive guy and he is scrappy and that kind of thing. Uh, Steven Nelson's a solid player, man. Like, I don't want to underestimate, like, him being back. Like, him being back to handle the slot is, like, a big deal because Phil – I don't think Phil's back, like, 100%, man. Like, you know, teams are just kind of getting what they want to throw in at the slot corner, man. And, like, Nelson's solid, man. Like, I know he got beat – by uh, Cole Beasley, like, okay, the first touchdown was an option route. He was going to get beat no matter what he chose. They, that was a scheme problem on that play. You vacate the middle, Beasley's smart, he's going to go to the open spot. You can't defend that. Um, you know, like, so, like, just be careful about blaming Nelson, too. I'm telling this to the fans. I know you know that. Um, Nelson's going to help them a lot. What they got to do is figure out that other outside corner. And I'm not sure Mitchell's done yet, man. I'm not. Um, but they do miss Eric because he brought a playmaking ability. Outside of Eric Berry, and I'm sorry, outside of Marcus Peters and uh, uh, Ron Parker and Terrence, when, when was the last time you remember like a guy making a play when it wasn't like garbage time? Are we talking about like making a play on the ball? Yes. I mean, yep. Houston's made plays. No, no, no. Just the secondary. Just the secondary. Man, I mean – really happened this year, right? Like, one of the things that we used to like about Daniel Sorensen is he was kind of that guy, but because he's been playing in the box so much, he hasn't been able to play that role the way that he was in the past. Yeah, yeah, so guys have to start making plays, man, because if they don't, guys like Prescott's going to throw on them that way. Like, there's no way somebody like Terrence Williams should be carving them up the way he did on Sunday. Um, And let me also say this. This is still like a 6-3 and team, but, like, they've lost – three or last four, so we're going to be critical. But, like, by and large, this is still, like, a good team. Let me just say that. Um, the pass rush. You know, I think – I was looking at the stats this year. Justin Houston, would you believe – Just have you looked at the stats recently, by the way? He has, like, seven and a half. Right. So you have. Like, he's been better than you think. Guess how many pressures he has. He's sixth in the league in quarterback pressures. And he's not even 100%. He's not close. Um, he, like, took two games off where he just, like, couldn't, couldn't do anything <laughs> other than bowl. Uh, and, and he still he did that. That fell in every significant statistic for a defensive lineman. I know. he. That guy is a mutant, man. Like, some sometimes, like, these guys are just mutants. And he fits the bill as that. Like, they just don't make him that way. The point is they need more guys like that, man. Like, 
The other outside linebacker spot, they haven't gotten enough. And maybe this is where Tomba can really help, man. I thought he had some nice rushes. Um, you know, what are your he thoughts? How comfortable are you right now with the rush, with the pass rush? Oh, not, no, no, not, not, not comfortable at all. Um, I mean, what happened to Chris Jones? Like, Chris Jones was a guy who, beginning of the season, you come away and that second game against Philadelphia, he was a monster. Like, he, he was a big reason why they won that game. I can't really remember many plays that he's made since that game. Like, if you had to ask me how I would rank since week three, how the defensive linemen have impacted the game, I would say number one is probably Benny, Benny Logan. Yeah. Number two, I would probably say Alan Bailey. And then number three, Chris Jones, maybe. That's not what I expected coming into the year. No, dude, Benny Logan is good, man. Like He's like the only guy that I feel like comfortable with you know, teams running at his gap. It's like, oh, you want to run at Benny's gap. Well, you're probably not going to get anything. Have fun. Knock yourself out. Um, but everybody else, man, like – you know, um, Bailey's had a few moments, man. But, like, mm-hmm. and you know what the crazy thing is about Chris Jones, though? Chris Jones is actually second on the team in quarterback hurries. He's got, believe it or not, he's got eight. That's more than D. Ford. That's more than Sorensen. And that's the biggest problem. Daniel Sorensen is fourth on the team in quarterback hurries. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and Alan Bailey only has one this year. And Benny Logan has three. Like, they're not getting enough from their from their defensive linemen. Like, you want to see a defensive line, go look at Philly. Like, Philly's defensive line is fake. Like, it's a Madden kind of defensive line where they're, like, too deep. You know what I mean? And it's actually, you know, you can't rotate on Madden because auto subs is broken. But they can, like, you know, they're, they're, they're just rotating guys in and they're getting after you. Like, the pass rush has been, like, honestly a failure on a lot of levels because I think they're more talented than this. And they're not winning the one-on-one matchups. And that's honestly one of the reasons Sutton's getting so much blame because, like, they're not really being creative, but he's asking them to win four on five. And they were doing that earlier in the year, and they're not doing it anymore. Um, I mean, D D Ford's injury seems to be really hurting them a lot. And the the other thing, I mean, Therese, last year, we talked about it at the time, and we kind of just put this to the side. D Ford switched sides whenever Justin Houston got hurt. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how much stock I should put into this, but – when he was on Justin Houston's side, he yep. was good. And when he returned to the other side, he became not so good anymore. And I, I just wonder how much that has to be part of what we discuss here when it comes to D Ford and what his production ultimately is rushing the passer. You know what? There's something to it, too, because, like, there's different angles that you take. And, like, some guys are good bending from one side, not so good bending on the other. And I'm not saying that they can't learn how to bend on the other, but sometimes it's just a feel thing. And, you know, it just kind of is what it is, though. Like, you can't move Justin. Just, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't do it. So, like, D either needs to pick it up or Tomba needs to play more. Uh, I do know this, man. Like, I was surprised to kind of hear people think Tomba doesn't want to play anymore. I, I can guarantee you guys the opposite of that is true. He really, really, really wants 100 sacks. He's got 89 and a half now. I don't think he retires until he gets it, too. So, like, I think he needs his 15 snaps per game. Seriously. Like, just give it to him. Like, the past, you don't have the luxury of, like, just keeping this guy on the bench. Like, you don't. So, like, they brought him back at the right time, and they should play him, even when D comes back. He needs to play. Like, period. Are people doing otherwise? Yes. 
God, yes. Like, dude, like there before he got activated, people I heard I had people telling me like they didn't think Tomba wanted to play anymore. You know, they I'm like, no. Like, like fans? Yes. People, media people too. Like people didn't think Tom no. He wants to play a million percent. He wanted to play the first game of the year. Like he's all the people that I would question whether or not they want to be on the field. Like, Tomba is maybe the bottom of that list on this team. Like, I'm not saying that other guys don't want to be out there, but Tomba Holly went on a tweet storm over the summer because he was concerned that other guys weren't invested enough. That's not something you do if you're not invested in the team and you don't want to play football anymore. Like, it might have been a knucklehead thing to do, but it's not something that you do if you're not invested. Trust me, Tomba really, really wants to play, man. So, I think you can help him. And, like... The honest to God truth, though, man, like, that's a pretty positive sign. Like, he was able to come in with, like, one practice or two practices and, like, be kind of effective. I think if D comes back, you put him on a pitch count with Tom on a pitch count, you know, you got a chance to have something. And I'm going to give you a dark horse, too. I'm going to let you pick, though, because you're pretty astute. Who do you think I'm going to mention as a dark horse pass rush candidate? Tano. Mm, uh, it is. Oh, really? I know. I know. And the reason you say that is because, like, it's a, it's a, um, it's a complete reversal from what I've been saying recently. But Bob Sutton seems to like really like him, like as a, as a developmental kind of guy. And like Andy Reid was like really complimentary of the way he played against Denver in ten snaps. Like, really complimentary. And Bob Sutton actually said he's been doing, quote, great, which he does not say. He says good. But if he says great, you better believe that's probably true. There is no way he's on the field in, like, a situation where they might need him to drop into coverage because he has no idea what's coming his way. But as a pass rush kind of guy, he is a physical freak. And there might be a kind of way to put him in the mix if they want to spice it up a little bit. I'm just saying, just keep an eye on that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying they like him enough that I don't know. I think he's developing more than maybe we thought he was. So So, here's a question for you, Therese. Um, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Yeah. And they're going up against one of the worst offensive lines in football when they come off this bye <laughs> when they take on the Giants. Yeah. So the pass rush is going to look a little better in that game because they're going up against the course of Eli Manning, a terrible receiving core, and arguably the worst left tackle in football. So it's going to look better there. Then they've got the Bills, the Jets, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Broncos. Like, this defense is going to look better. That's right. The- seven weeks. It's going to. I can promise you right now, you can mark it down in pen. Yep. This is going to be a defense that you come out of the same thinking to yourself, oh, maybe they've gotten a little better. I just don't know how much I should actually look at what we have the next seven weeks and compare it to what we had over the first nine and say that's real versus that's real because these teams are so bad. It's not yep. going to give us much of an indication on what they're going to do against the Jaguars or the Titans or the Steelers. That's a great point. I know. Million percent. Like, our stories are going to be real positive because they'll win like six in a row or something. But and they should be. But at the end of the day, man, like, January's going to come. It's going to be cold. And some gigantic running back with a smash mouth offensive line is going to come in here and their manhood is going to get tested. And if they don't rise to that challenge, they're going to be at the Pro Bowl again. And it's going, and they're going to be talking about how it's a real nice season. And, 
and fans are going to be pissed off, and it's, that's going to be that. And Brett Veach is going to be charged with firming up the front seven without a first-round pick. Uh, that's just how it's going to be. And, like, you're, I'm glad, like, you're mentally prepared for this because they that is the challenge right now, period. That is the challenge. It is. It, so one other thing I, I wanted to ask you, Therese, because, like, we've talked a lot about the defense. The defense has no doubt been the problem so far this season. But I, I actually do have kind of some concerns about the offense as well. Oh, we're going uh, there. Oh, we're getting okay. that. And uh, let me okay, guess what one of them is. Uh, the offensive line, I'm sure. What, what What is it on the offensive line that's concerning you? The running game. Yeah. I, it, like, Kareem Hunt, everybody's talking about, hey, is Kareem Hunt hurt? Is Kareem Hunt uh, – and this ain't Kareem Hunt. Like, he's getting destroyed in the backfield. He's, yeah. I don't have the pro football focus numbers, but I would guess over the last few weeks, Kareem Hunt still broke in more tackles than any other running back in football, and he's just doing so behind of the behind the line of scrimmage to just gain one or two yards. Yeah, the, you, you got it. The, Kareem Hunt's not the problem. Kareem Hunt is special. Kareem Hunt, let me tell you something, man. When in the league average back, this team might be four and five. Or five, I'm, or five and four. I'm dead serious. Because that guy has broken so many tackles. And he's been on this offensive This offensive line, that Pittsburgh tape was gross. I'm just, that tape was gross. Did you see the way... That, by the way, that's a grown man defensive line too. Like Tuit, Hargrave, and um, Hayward. That's a grown man offensive. Go back and watch that tape. The moment those guys take their stretch steps on the zone runs, those Pittsburgh linemen are like firing into their chest and disrupting while the linebackers are flowing hard downhill. That is January defense right there. Um, and the point is, like the offensive line. You know, they they got to get better, man, because like, until they can handle the defensive line like that, you're not going to February, period. Um, and, and it was a little easier to, like, explain away at one point. Like, you know, you've got the injuries, okay. You know, hey, I, I can give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of leash here because of the injuries, right? And then, okay, we're starting to get our guys back, and oh, you're going up against Denver. Denver's defense is great. All right, I can explain that one away. Can't really explain the Dallas thing. Like I, I the the running game against Dallas I just kind of never really developed. I and I know Sean Lee's good, and well, they have a decent front seven, but it's, it's not that decent. good. Right? It's decent. It's it's just decent. Like Sean Lee is good, but I'll say, I mean that's a team you should be able to get stuff on. Okay? Like let's not fool ourselves here. Like that's not. You know, that ain't the 72 Dolphins over there. Okay? And for them to be able to just control the line like that was wholly unacceptable. Holy. So yeah, I think it's got some I think it's got a lot to do with the injuries though. Like I don't think Mitch Morse is back hundred percent. He put a lot of it on himself after the game. I'll give him credit for that. But like after the game, I'm seeing Larry Duvernay Tardif and he's walking with this gigantic ice wrap on his knee. And it's just like, oh yeah, you're not healthy yet. So <laughs> you know, and it, by the way, Brian uh Witzman, abdomen, he was listed on the injury report. Mitch Swartz Hasn't like he had a really nice game against Von Miller, but like I, he might be hurt too. He'll just never tell anybody because he's one of those guys. He's one of those tough guys. And then Fish, you know, Fish Fish is nasty in the run game. I, I like Fish for that, but like he might be playing for something too. My point is like this line needs this break more than anybody, man. And if they want to get back to winning, you know, the way they did in September, th- these guys got to set the tone, and they need Larry to heal. Because this is a real problem if Larry isn't ready to go, man. Because I like Zach Fulton, man, but I think you saw after that there's a drop-off, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I want no part of Irv 
sure God, God bless his soul. Cam Irving is going to be a good player maybe one day maybe, but uh, not not today. I mean, that guy is not somebody you want in your starting lineup in 2017. Cam, Cam somebody, they need – he needs to spend this offseason with Barry Rubin. Like, they need to get him – like, he shouldn't go to Florida or where – he should, he don't need to go home this all. He needs to get him a little house here, get him a little condo or something, and just spend every day in that weight room building and changing his body. Um, just kind of a different body for an offensive lineman, like a thin guy. And, uh, you know, you can see that if he's asked to play with power, guys like like grown men are going to get up under him. So, you know, I think he's athletic enough and he's smart enough to do to be a good player, but he's got to change his body first. What other concerns do you have with this offense, man? Um, I would say other than the offensive line slash running game in general, uh, one of the things that I've noticed of late is Alex is starting to drop his eyes a little bit. And that, mm-hmm. that kind of, once again, goes back to the offensive line a bit, is he's feeling that pressure. But I, I still think Alex has played well, and not all of it is his fault. But when he, when he starts to feel pressure sometimes, and this is what he avoided doing in the first few weeks of the season so well, and it's one of the reasons why I gave him so much credit, he starts dropping his eyes, and when he does that, he misses guys deep. Like, Demarcus Robinson, I think, is a real player. I think that guy's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty- Tyreek comes open late a lot because guys just can't stick with him for more than three or four seconds. Mm-hmm. And when that happens and you're missing these guys deep, you're missing, like, touchdowns or 40-yard plays over the top that he hit against New England, that he hit against Washington, that he hit against Houston. And when you miss those things, those are those big chunk plays that when you look at the toxic report after the game, mm-hmm. those are the ones that you want to see on there. Yeah, and that that's definitely true. But, again, I blame the line for this. Like, he yeah. shouldn't. There shouldn't be guys in his like purview the way that they are. There's guys around him, and they don't get st- stats for it. Like they don't get a stat for like being around him. But there's way too many guys kind of like in his area, and like yes, like that affects him, man. Like it does. It affects any quarterback, but it does affect Alex. If you can keep him clean, you know that that's how you take advantage of the things that he does. Like his his growth. If he can stay clean, he's gonna have. He's gonna be the MVP. But if they let him get hit, you know, you're going to see 2016, Alex, and you're not going to be happy, and people are going to be looking forward to Pat. That's all there is. But I do think at this point, safe to say, your team MVP is who? Oh, Alex Pat. million percent, right? Did you? Would you have given any thought to Kareem Hunt a month ago? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think NFL MVP you would have given Kareem Hunt at least a consideration a month ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I think it's got to be Alex. His numbers are insane. He's on he's on Pat Trek to win to throw thirty two touchdowns, set a career high in yards, and throw like two interceptions. That that's ridiculous. Uh, we agree the rookie of the year is Kareem, right? Got to be, got to be. Would have been Deshaun had Deshaun Watson not gotten hurt. I, I think just because of the quarterback position, I probably would have voted Kareem because I think he's amazing, but. Uh, I think Deshaun probably would have won that had that happened. But, yeah, at this point, it's got to be Kareem Hunt. Unless Leonard Fournette goes on some crazy tear in the second half. Yeah. Um, who is your vote for Team Alpha Dog? Team Alpha Dog. That's a good question. Um, am I crazy if I go with Travis Kelsey? No, go for it. I like it. Go. Like, so... I think we all kind of thought we had seen the best of Travis Kelsey, right? Like, we, we had seen, okay, this guy's a top three tight end in the NFL, no question about it. 
I think Travis Kelsey's still getting better. Um, this year, he's already tied a career high with five touchdowns, Therese. Um, he's on pace for like 1,200 yards receiving, which is just insane for a tight end. And I think he's just, he seems to be a better all-around player this year than I remember him being in the past. And I, I think him taking his game to the next level in a lot of ways has allowed Alex to be this guy. Because when he's, when he's getting as much recognition as he is from the defense, and you're also having to defend Ty Hill, and you're also having to de- defend now Demarcus Robinson, and you have to pay attention to Kareem Hunt, like, I, that's a nightmare for a defense. And I think Travis Kelsey's kind of at the top of that list for me. I would have Travis Kelsey at the top. My, my vote is Justin Houston. Like, I know he's hurt. Like, I get it. I know he's not, like, 2014 Justin Houston. Fine. Okay. Well, he's insane. And let me tell you something. Uh, not only is he the guy that does a pregame speech, uh, he is the strongest voice in that locker room. Um, he can get anybody to do whatever he needs them to do through sheer like intimidation and will. Uh, and what I will also tell you is that I'm not sure anybody um, is capable of calming Marcus Peters like Justin just because of the respect Marcus has for him. If Justin Houston funny. gets hurt, I am... He deserves every penny of that contract for just that reason alone. <laughs> understand that without Eric Berrier, if something happens to Justin Houston, I think, like, calming Marcus Peters' down duty, like, goes to Ron Parker. And, like, uh. Marcus res- Marcus respects Ron. Ron is, like, uh. quietly, like, a good player, dude. Like, seriously. Oh, Ron is really, like, a good, solid, like, really good player. And they're lucky they were able to keep him. But there's a difference between having that come from Justin and having that come from Ron. And it, I think Ron would tell you that. Uh, you know, I think – so is they need him to play. Like, he got to play. Like, they need him. Like, just, they need 16 from 50. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> like, they, they need 16 from 50. Uh, so, I'm going to give him Team Alpha Dog. Who is your vote for best offensive player? Um, so, if I went with Travis Kelsey for my Alpha Dog and I went with Alex Smith, for my MVP, I'm going to go ahead and go with Tyreek Hill for my offensive player. How's that sound? I love it, man. Uh, talk talk about Hill, it. People were questioning whether or not this guy could be a number one receiver, and he's about to put up better numbers this season than Jeremy Macklin did in his first year in Kansas City as the number one receiver. I know. Like he's right now on pace for 1,200 yards receiving and 10 touchdowns through the year. I mean, those are like legit alpha dog number one receiver numbers, Therese. He's on pace for 101 receptions, or excuse me, 71 receptions this year. That's really good from your number one guy. Like, I I think Tyreek has been so much better at just like the route running and the things you would expect your number one receiver to do than I expected him to be. He's yeah, yeah. And he's not just like a fast guy. He's not getting all these yards because he's fast. I mean, part of it is because he's fast. But he's actually like a good route runner. And he, yeah. he can track it pretty good. Like, this guy is good. And, like, the decision to release Macklin had to do with money. But also, I don't think he would have been okay with being this ex. Like, he's not built for that. Not if you paid him all the money, you paid him to bring him here. Not after last season. You know, 
you can make the argument that Keepa Macklin would have taken opportunities away from Ty. Like, Ty would have been the best receiver on the team, but he would have been the X getting jammed at the line of scrimmage, running short to intermediate routes that Chris Conley's good at. Um, they miss him, by the way. Um, you know, even though I like, De- even though I like Demarcus. Um, so yeah, Ty has been outstanding. And you know what's been the most impressive about Ty? He's a tough little guy, man. I know he's five ten, but I'm telling you, he's like five eight, dude. Like Ty is like five eight. He's 185 pounds, and teams know they can't run with him, so they look to deliver shots to him and that little guy stays in the game because his team needs him he's been a legit number one he's proven it like i hope people kind of give him credit for that because that little dude can play man for real have you noticed this team is on pace to have two thousand yard receivers do you know when the last time that happened was oh god um oh i'm not versed in chief's history like that let me think i I, I was just curious like i I honestly don't know no. I don't know when the time that happened was. Maybe Eddie, Eddie Kennison and Tony Gonzalez? That's probably about right. Well, no, wait, hold, no, because um, Kelsey and Macklin didn't do it, right, in 2015? I don't think so. I don't think Kelsey was quite there. I think he had like 950. Yeah, yeah. yeah the point is, like, this is something different for Chiefs fans. <laughs> you guys aren't used to this. This is something a little different. Um, and, like, I saw something that I thought was interesting, and maybe it was from you too. Like, the offense is like good, but like, people are saying this feels like 2003. Does it? Does it really feel that way for you guys? I. So I, I was the one that put that out there. Okay. Um, I, I put that out there today on Twitter, and, and the, the what I responded to just to just kind of clarify exactly what it was. There's a graph that came out from Brian Burke of ESPN. He does a bunch of their analytics stuff, and it basically showed where teams ranked in terms of their offensive and defensive efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs right now rank like at the top of their offensive efficiency, and they're right towards the bottom of defensive efficiency. Now, the reason why it's different, and the, the, there are similarities in, in the overall results, but the reason why it is different is because this team has legitimate players defensively. Like, Derek Johnson's a player. Justin Houston's a player. Marcus Peters is one of the best corners in the game. That 2003 defense had, like, Eric Winfield at cornerback. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, your Chiefs fans love to just destroy Eric Winfield, dude. Like, <laughs> like I've heard, I've had so many tweets of Eric Winfield. I'm like, really, guys? Like, it's been 10 years. Like, <laughs> 15 <laughs> Against the against the Packers, imagine having that against your team when your team also doesn't punt and you lose in a playoff okay. game after listen. you went thirteen and three and started the year nine and zero. Oh. Listen, you listen, you you are coming to the wrong guy looking to elicit <laughs> looking to looking to elicit sympathy. Okay, go zero sixteen. Come talk to me. Your team never wore candy ass blue. That was the color of the Lions uniforms during the Matt Millen era. I swear to God. It was candy ass blue. It was like a light blue, shaded in black, with the cartoon lion font. And I had to watch this team with Joey Harrington and Kevin Jones and Charles Rogers, who was getting high out of his mind every day. And we didn't, and we didn't know, right? And I had to watch this and be optimistic about this. And then it culminated in 2006, 2008. The only, un, un, the only winless team in NFL history. Couldn't stop the run. Couldn't run the ball. Didn't try to run the ball. 
couldn't stop the pass. A complete embarrassment. Never seen a Super Bowl in my life. My dad's never seen a Super Bowl in his life. Uh, last time they won was 1958. That was, they won the NFL champ. They didn't have the Super Bowl then. Like we can do this. You gonna lose? I, I watched them. I watched them. I watched this team force two all-time greats into early retirement because they never thought they'd win. Jerry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. Johnson just done. It's so much worse. Like, Calvin Johnson retired at, like, 31, dude. Like, he was just done. He'd had it. He didn't want... <laughs> he was still one of the 10 best receivers in the NFL. Like, Calvin Johnson is, like, better than, like... There's, like, 10 receivers in the NFL better than, like, Calvin now. Like, he retired two years ago because he was just done. He, he was done. Like, do you know how good Matt Stafford would be if he wasn't a lion? Like, do you, like, really fully understand, like, w- what his career would look like if he had Andy Reid? Like, you- Chris Averill was on that 0-16 line. <laughs> I know! Oh, I got a story for you. So, like, the best players on the Seahawks. Dude, okay, so it was the, the, the NFC Championship game a couple years ago. I went to cover that, and I saw Cliff Averill there. And I'm like, hey, Cliff, what's going on, man? I'm Therese Paylor. I work for the Star. I also grew up in Detroit, man. I just want you to know, like, I knew you were a good player then, man. But, you know, you know, it was tough times in Detroit. He was like, ooh, Detroit. Yeah, man, appreciate that. <laughs> so, like, that's what I grew up with. That's what I had to deal with. So, I'm sorry, Chiefs fans. the Royals growing up? Ooh. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, but you got a World Series. I had to watch this team tease me for 10 years. Like, do you? Oh, my God. And then I had to watch the Cardinals win. Oh, my God. And just just Cardinal fans. And they just they mocked you. And we, we lost that series because they couldn't throw to first base. I had Curtis Granderson falling in center field. Like, come on, dude. There was a writer. I work in St. Louis now, so I know these kinds of things. Uh, there was a writer named Bob Nightingale. He's actually like a good dude. Um, he wrote before the series that it was such a mismatch between the Cardinals and the Tigers that the Tigers were going to win in three. <laughs> That's a true story. Like, he you, wrote that. Like, do you understand what that was like to watch Jeff Weaver like just toss like just just like gems against my team? We had Jeff Weaver, by the way. And he's just, you know, Anthony Reyes. I have to watch this, right? I'm watching. They, did, they had Adam Wainwright closing. He wasn't even starting. And they have, like, do you understand Scott Spezio, just these people? Like, I know you I know you cover them now. Like, I know you got I got it. But just, like, understand, like, as a Tiger fan, that was brutal. That team had Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland, Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, Chris Carpenter, and Wainwright. That's it. Okay, that's it. I'm watching So Taguchi do it. So like, I know this is turning into like a "Woe Was Me" Tiger thing. Like, I get that, but like, listen, my point is, Chiefs fans, enjoy this. Like, I've never once in my life seen this kind of sustained success from the team I grew up watching. So like, even if the thing ends in January, <laughs> like, it's still not that bad. You have highs. You know what I mean? Like, does that hit home at all, Brandon? At all? It does. I made this comparison the other day, Therese, and I want to, I want to get your thoughts on this, because I know you're an NBA guy too, right? You, you like the NBA? 100%. Love it, yes. Okay. So, I said that the Kansas City Chiefs the last 
last like four to five years have been what the Memphis Grizzlies have been in the Western Conference. Like a really good team that like 20 fan bases would kill for their team to be exactly what the Grizzlies have been the last eight years probably with Marcus Saul. And like you, you have a really good team there in Memphis, but they're just never going to win. And every fan of the Memphis Grizzlies knows that going into the season. They're not going to make it to the NBA Finals. They're not going to win a title, but they're good. And I think that's what Chiefs fans feel like right now. We're good, but it doesn't feel like this is the team that's going to make it to the Super Bowl, and it doesn't feel like there's anything you can do to change that because the Patriots and the Steelers still exist. Ooh, I like that. That that's that's pretty that's pretty solid. I I would say though, I think I I would say that I, I thought there were times where like the the ceiling for this team was a little higher than that Memphis team. Although I will say this, um, you definitely need to hope for a 03 Pistons. Like like a 04 Pistons. Like if 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 this team can just get a few breaks, it's possible to get there. It is so possible. I think, I think the comparison is the Mavs, right? Because the, the, the Mavs, whenever they beat LeBron the first year that LeBron was in Miami, was like, this is the only time you're going to have that opportunity. It was, hey, LeBron's in his first year in Miami, and he just crumbled. He just crumbled under the pressure, and it didn't work for him in the yeah. finals. And because of that, Dirk got his final appearance. Well, if you're the Chiefs, kind of what you're hoping for is, I don't know if you've looked at this, uh, uh, Therese, but Big Ben's quarterback rating right now is worse than what Blake Bortles is on the season. <laughs> He's not. And so what you're hoping for as a Chiefs fan is you get into the postseason and you play the Steelers, and instead of Big Ben being the guy that we've seen him be for the last 10, 15 years, Big Ben is this guy. And maybe he throws a pick to Marcus Peters, and he takes a sack and you get a turnover because Justin Houston's awesome. Like That's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for that, and then you get to the Super Bowl, and anything can happen in a one-game sample. Yeah, well, you're rooting for that and definitely a Le'Veon Bell suspension. Definitely need for that. Definitely need that. Um, <laughs> you hope that Leonard Fournette skips practice or something, or is late again. Like that's what you're hoping for. That's what you need. Can, can we can we get the uh, the Texans to somehow find a way to superimpose Colin uh, Kaepernick onto Tom Savage's body? That way the Texans can make the playoffs, please. Million percent. Chiefs fans should be rooting for like Tom Savage to pull a Scott Mitchell. Like, million percent, you better hope just Savage goes off. He just comes out of nowhere and becomes good. Isn't this a contract year for him, too? I don't know. Let me see. Tom Savage. How many years has this guy been a pro? I know. I know. I'm trying. I'm reaching, man. I'm trying. I'm reaching. I want this for you guys, man. I know you've been chill since the, the, the contract It is. It is. It's a contract year for Savage. It is. Tom Savage is undefeated of being bad. <laughs> He was awful on Sunday, too. He was so bad. He was awful. A 15.3 QBR. Oh, God. I know. You just got to hope. I'm, look, I know we're grasping. It is what it is, though. Like, we're just trying to get you there. Um, all right. The team's going to win, like, 12 games. They are. They're Yep. And they're going to hang another one of those AFC West banners in the, in the, play, in the facility, and you guys are not going to be happy with that. All right, let's run through these other ones real quick, man. Um, best defensive player. Who you got? Oh, Marcus Peters. Oh. 
Well, you, yeah, you should you stick with it. Okay. Like I said, that reactionary, and it shouldn't have been that much of a reaction because, like you said, like Justin Houston's been really good this year. But Marcus Peters is awesome. And I know people have ragged on him this season, and they say that he's not having as good of a year. Maybe that's true. The guy I've watched has still been pretty damn awesome. And I would still take him as, like, one of the – five to seven best corners in the league and when you have that guy you hold on to that guy and you embrace him for everything that he brings to the table so marcus peters would be my guy i like it i'm picking houston though just because he's insane and i just want people to understand that he's still really having a good season who's your biggest surprise biggest surprise this season um it's probably cliche to take Kareem. You know what? Okay, so Kareem Hunt's the biggest surprise because I didn't expect this. So I'm going to put that out as, like, the disclaimer. But as a as a secondary thing to that, I would say Demarcus Robinson. Ooh, uh, yeah. Because Demarcus has been so much better than I expected him to be, Therese. Like, his numbers aren't crazy this year. If you just look at his game log, like, he has one game with more than 20 yards receiving. But if you watch the games... Like, the box score scouting doesn't work with this guy. He is he changes the way that defenses have to play against the Chiefs because of his speed. And I think DeMarcus is going to have a big game at some point down the stretch that's, oh, yeah. like, really going to matter. And oh, yeah. so I would say he's my biggest surprise from that perspective. I tried to tell people that guy could play. Like, and I'm telling you, like, tell, take this to the bank. When Patrick Mahomes becomes a quarterback here, those guys are going to average three touchdowns per year on post routes. <laughs> Just trust me. It, it's Just take this to the bank. Those guys are going to hook up on so many posts. Those guys will hook up on the Antonio Freeman Memorial post-route touchdown. Just trust me. Like just, just, just trust me. But I'm going with Butker as the biggest surprise. Oh, yeah. They pulled this guy off the practice squad, and he's made 19th straight. That's insane. Um yeah, you just got to get a guy credit. Hell, he's been responsible for at least one win. So, good for him. Uh, next one, most improved. Who are you picking? Most improved player this season. Um, That's an interesting one. Uh, Alex Smith. Yep. Alex Smith. Me too. Yep. For all the reasons we talked about. Yeah. Um, last two things. Give me a reason for hope, my man. A reason for hope. Right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are 6-3 and three on the year. The only teams in the AFC with a better record than the Chiefs are the Patriots and the Steelers. And you beat the Patriots head-to-head. And despite the fact that the Steelers kicked your ass on your home field, <laughs> you had a possession at the end of the game to potentially have a chance to win it. They did, and too. If they you're did. the Chiefs and you're a Chiefs fan... That's your reason for optimism. You had a bad week against the Steelers and the Raiders. You got beat against the Cowboys on the road in a game where the other team was simply better than you right before your bye week. And you have a really good team that needs a break or two to be able to go on a run. So that's your reason for optimism. You have a quarterback who's playing his best year of his career and a rookie running back who is a true sensation. So your offense is awesome. Your defense needs a few breaks. And you actually legitimately have a chance against the Patriots. That's your reason for optimism. I'm going to go with the schedule. They might run the table. Like, this schedule sucks. Like the rest of the way, these teams. This schedule is so soft. Like I know it won't do anything to like calm fans down, but if Andy Andy might not even have like the annual Andy Reid winter loss that upsets oh, fans. He, will. he might not even have. Dude, I'm telling you, this schedule is so soft, dude. Like, dude, I'm telling you. The Dolphins on Christmas Eve. <laughs> 
That's the game that scares you. I'm looking at it right now. ESPN predicts 15% chance that the Dolphins win this game against the Chiefs. There's a million percent chance they win that game. Why? Like why did why did you, why did Christmas Eve it's Miami, they don't win when it's cold. They can't win in the cold. Like why? Yeah, the, Chiefs, the Chiefs don't win that game. It's a non divisional <laughs> game against a random team that's no good. <laughs> oh, oh God. Are you looking at the schedule right now? I have yeah, I've got it in front of me. Alright, let's go through them real quick. What you got? Uh, they're gonna kill them. They're gonna kill them. That team stinks. Go ahead. Uh, the Bills. Uh, I could see them losing that one. Yeah, that might be the game. Actually, yeah. I might I might have been wrong here. That might be the game. Oh. Um, but what about the, the Jets? Bills? Oh, at the Jets. Give me one, one one thing real quick for you on the Bills, Trez. The Bills are the 2013 Chiefs. Million percent. The, the, the Bills have a good defense. They don't turn the ball over. They have like nothing explosive on offense whatsoever, and they don't have a receiver. I'm pretty sure. Like they just go onto the field with seven tight ends and a running back, uh, <laughs> and they get breaks too. They get a ton yeah, of breaks. That's, yeah, they're the Chiefs of 2013. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wonder if I wonder if a team's gonna come back from from 28 down on them in the playoffs. <laughs> I wonder if that's gonna happen. I don't, I don't think they even have that in them. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, what about the Jets? Nah, I mean, I don't know, man. I, that, that feels like a game the Chiefs win. Yeah. I don't know why, but that feels like a game the Chiefs win. How about the Chargers at home? Chiefs are better on the road. You know this. I'm going to pick it to be either the Raiders or the Chargers. One of those next two games. One of them teams are going to get them. I have a soft spot in my heart for the Chargers. I can't pick this team. <laughs> I picked them to win this damn division. Why did I did do that? Did you really? Oh no! Oh, I don't. You know what? Though? I can't really talk though, dude. I think. Um, hold on. What? Are, who did I pick? I think I picked the Giants to win the NFC East. Like I, I can't really talk. Um, I did too. Probably did you? Oh. Really great. I'm picking, I'm picking teams. Um, can you believe the Chargers lost on a missed field goal at the end of the Dolphins? Yeah, that really happened in Week Two. That's when I knew that prediction wasn't going to work. I don't think they're that bad either, though, man. Like I. I I, I don't think they're that bad. Like, um, okay, okay, okay. So, we're ca- give me a reason to moat, man. Um, I mean, because you're the Chiefs. Like, <laughs> That's it. it, it Done. It, 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 I, do I need to say anything more? You know, like, you're going to go against Leonard Fournette. Or you're going to go against oh, uh, the, the Steelers. Like, you're going to go against one of these great running backs. And your offense is going to be on the field for 15 minutes. And it's going to be exhausting to watch the game, and you're going to leave saying, how the hell did we lose that game? Um, and also, at the same time, how the hell did we have a chance to win that game? So that, you, that's why. You're the Chiefs. You know people do that fantasy football in the playoffs, the daily thing? Like, mm-hmm. if you play that and you see Derrick Henry is going against the Chiefs or Fournette or Leonard, I don't care if your budget is $100 and they, you have to make him, like, 92 like you, you just pay it and be done with it and win the week and call it a day. Like, <laughs> like that guy's going to go. And I know this is, you know, we're having some fun. And I will tell you this, it's possible that they have the nobody believes in us game. Like, yeah. everyone's going to pick them to lose at home to some, one of those teams. And it would be really Andy Reid-ish for him to pull that game out, get people's hopes up again, then just go to, like, Pittsburgh and they lose. Oh, you can't do that to me. You're giving me hope. <laughs> 
one or two seed, you skip that divisional round, and you have the nobody believes in us game. And now, like, hopefully on the other side was the Steelers and the Patriots, Bill and just suspended. one of them knocked her out. Yep, yep, you just hope Bill gets suspended. That, that's how you do it. That's how you get there, you know? And then the Super Bowl, literally anything can happen. Like, yeah. literally anything can happen in the Super Bowl. So, because um, this ain't 1994, where there's, a, like, one team – that everyone knows is superior. Like, anybody can win this year. This is one of those wacky years. And this is one of those wacky years somebody like the Chiefs could get there, too. So, we've had a lot of fun making fun of, you know, this season and having some fun with these guys. But this is still a good team. And and I encourage you guys to kind of enjoy this season because it's going to be a good season. You're going to see a lot of victories. I've had so much fun watching this team. Like, they're... Aesthetically, like they are one of the three most enjoyable teams in the league to watch. Like just as a neutral observer of football, they're really fun. Like there are teams that are stealing the Chiefs playbook right now to incorporate their stuff into their offense. Like oh. that's what uh, earlier this week Sean McVay he was talking to Peter King and he was like, "Yeah, I just flat out stole that from Andy Reid because oh. of course I because Andy Reid's awesome." Right. So <laughs> that, as a Chiefs fan, like remember that when you're dogging on Andy Reid because he has the Andy Reid game down the stretch or because uh, there's something that happens in the final two minutes of a half and he screws up a timeout. Like, remember that you also have one of the best offensive minds in the last 20 years in football. Yeah, I'm going to bring you on the podcast again at the end of the year to remind people of that when people are <laughs> tweeting to me that they need to fire Andy and I'm going completely corporate champ on them because I'm, I'm losing patience with the people. So... Hey, man, this was everything I thought it would be, man. Uh, this was great talking to you about this thing. And uh, I look forward to talking to you on yours at some point again. And, uh, hell, we'll probably wrap this thing up with you later in the year too, man. So stay in, stay in touch. And, uh, hey, make sure you tell people how to get you too, man. This guy's a great follow, folks. Give him a follow. Yeah, so I'm at BK Sports Talk on Twitter. And then uh, I actually do a Sunday NFL pregame show. If you're if you're driving around town and you've got your TuneIn app on your phone or if you want to download our app, it's the 101 ESPN app. So that's 101 ESPN. And uh, I'm on from 9 to 11 a.m. every Sunday right before the NFL game. So we'll talk a little Chiefs. We always do because, of course, there's a story here as well locally in St. Louis. So uh, 9 to 11 a.m. on Sundays is when you can catch me talking NFL or you can follow my tweets Awesome. All right. Hey, B, man, this was great, man. I appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you later, okay? All right, buddy. I appreciate it, Therese. All right.